Welcome to Lesson 8 in our Biblical Womanhood series. We began this study in the first few chapters of Genesis as we looked at the distinct roles that God created men and women to fill. We saw that from the very beginning, God had designed men to be leaders in their families and equip them to protect and provide for them. Then we discovered that although many things changed after Adam and Eve fell into sin, God's plan for the unique functions of men and women did not change at all. He had fashioned the woman to be a helper, comparable, uh, a helpmeet to her husband, and that did not change. The presence of sin simply made it more difficult for both of them to carry out their God-ordained roles. Then we moved about 3,000 years forward in time from the Garden of Eden to a palace in ancient Israel. As we studied the most familiar chapter in the Bible on biblical womanhood, it became clear that in spite of the different period in history, the different culture, and the completely different setting, that God's plan for men and women had not changed. He still expected men to lead and women to fill the role of a submissive and supportive helpmeet. Today, I'd like for us to jump another 1,000 years forward in history to a very different culture than either of the first two we have already considered. The next passage of scripture that I want to study is the most important New Testament text on the role of Christian women. As we delve into this, we'll see that although it was a very different setting, God's plan was still the same for men and for women. This is the most significant passage on this topic, but it is often misinterpreted, represented, or, or misrepresented, or simply ignored. We are instructed in the second chapter of Titus that older Christian women are to play a very special role in the church. Now, it's common when women reach this age, especially in our country, or at least in our country, it's common for them to suddenly think that now life is all about them. Sadly, this is true of even many who profess to know Christ. Their children are grown, their husbands have their jobs and hobbies, and they think now they can do all the things they could not do while their children were at home. On the other hand, all too often the older women in our churches are forgotten and rarely asked to serve. But according to the scripture, they have an incredibly important job to do. Television, movies, magazine, advertising, and secular universities have encouraged women to be independent, immoral, and self-centered, only looking out for themselves. It's all about me is the, 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 the cry of the modern woman. But the scripture calls us, as followers of Jesus Christ, to a much higher calling. So let's take a look at this instruction for the older women to teach or train the younger women. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Titus 2, 1 through 5. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. 
They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. First, I'd like for us to consider the responsibility of the older women. They are responsible to teach and train the younger women. And to, to begin with, we must determine who fits into this category. Who are the older women? The Greek word that's translated here is older women actually means women past childbearing age. So even though their biological children may be grown and out of the home, their work is not finished. It's clear that the older women, those who are not busy anymore with diapers, child training, or helping with homework, have a unique privilege and duty to come alongside the younger women and help them learn to effectively carry out their proper task. Now, we need to remember that although this is, of course, speaking of women who are older in age, all of us are older than someone in our sphere of influence. Each of you has younger women and girls who are watching your lives, listening to your words, and learning something from you. We are all teaching something with our lives. My husband is a pretty tall man. He's about six foot seven inches tall. And our two sons are six foot five and six foot six inches in height. So they all three loved basketball and all three of them played basketball in high school and even competed some in college. Back in the 1990s when my boys were teenagers, there was an American basketball player, professional basketball player, who was frequently involved in fights on as well as off of the basketball court. He stirred up controversy on more than one occasion. In 1993, the media began calling him out because of the poor example he was setting for young boys, not only in the United States, but around the world. Well, he didn't like the pressure that was being put on him. And I remember seeing him on national television in frustration say, I am no role model. But the truth of the matter is that whether he liked it or not, Charles Barkley was a role model to thousands of young men around the world. And ladies, every one of us are role models if we profess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all setting an example for someone. Someone is observing your life. You see our children, grandchildren, and the young women coming behind us are much more likely to model what we do rather than what we simply say. Although the older women have been uniquely called to teach the younger women, we each, regardless of our age, have a responsibility to be an example and to teach the younger ones that God has placed in our lives. Another thing to consider is that some of the younger women may have known and walked with the Lord years, long, years longer than older women, women who may be much older than them. So even though they may be your seniors in years on this earth, you may be much more mature spiritually. Now, some of you may be saying, I could never stand in front of people and teach. But this isn't just speaking of teaching in a formal classroom setting. In fact, I truly believe that some of my most effective and fruitful teaching 
probably hasn't taken place behind a podium. I remember a large ladies retreat where I was speaking many years ago and during one of the meal times a woman approached me and said you probably don't remember me but I just want to thank you for the way you encouraged me years ago when your husband was preaching at our church. Well she was right. I didn't remember her and my mind began to race trying to recall what in the world she was talking about. I was remembering when we had gone to that particular church and I thought, my children were young. I really wasn't doing much teaching then. Well, thankfully, she proceeded to remind me of what she was talking about. She and I had had a conversation in the foyer of the church. I'd come out of the service to take my youngest child to the restroom and as I passed through the vestibule, I saw this lady walking with her baby. She stopped me and asked if she could talk to me and tell me that she was in her first year of homeschooling. She had four children and she was so overwhelmed with all she had to do. She felt like she couldn't get all the laundry done, the meal preparation, the shopping, the homeschooling, and all of her other responsibilities. Well, as a homeschooling mom myself, I simply encouraged her that things would get better. I told her the first year was the hardest and not to be too hard on herself. I just encouraged her not to give up. That day at the ladies retreat so many years later, she shared with me how she had stuck with it by God's grace and how her children were flourishing academically as well as spiritually and she thanked me for my input. Well, as I thought back over that encounter with that young woman years before, I knew that I had not imparted any great nuggets of wisdom to her. I had not spent hours studying and praying over and preparing a lesson to teach her. I simply shared of the Lord's faithfulness and help from my own experience. And you will have opportunities to do the same. Now it may not be helping a homeschooling mom. Perhaps you'll share how God has carried you through a painful divorce or how he has upheld you as your child struggled with cancer. Perhaps you'll be able to help another woman as you share of God's faithfulness and the hope that he gave you as you cried out to him for a wayward child. God doesn't waste any of our difficulties or our experiences. He uses them to help others who are coming behind us. Now, perhaps you're not comfortable teaching before a group of women, but we can all share how the Lord has helped us and taught us in various situations. Every one of us should be able to share with others about the Lord's faithfulness as he's helped us in our marriages, child training, discretion, purity, or any of these other areas listed in Titus 2. The Greek word that's translated as admonish or teach in verse 4 means to school or to train. It goes far beyond just teaching a, a Sunday school class or a small group, although that would be part of this. As a young woman, it's your responsibility to receive the truth, to seek to know the truth, to understand it, and to internalize it and walk in it. I believe if Christian women could just begin to understand the power of their God-given ability to influence others 
and would develop these characteristics described in Titus chapter 2 in their own lives and then teach them to the young women coming behind them for God's glory, we could make a great impact on the next generation. There's an old adage that says, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And you know, there is a lot of truth in that statement. Women, mothers, have so much more influence than we often realize. The second president of the United States, John Adam was, Adams, was a devout Christian, and he recognized the validity of that statement. He penned these words, from all that I had read of history and government of human life and manners, I had drawn this conclusion, that the manners of women were the most infallible barometer to ascertain the degree of morality and virtue of a nation. I want to repeat that. The manners of women were the most infallible barometer to ascertain or measure the degree of morality and virtue of a nation. He went on to say the Jews, the Greeks, the Romans, the Swiss, and the Dutch all lost their public spirit and their Republican forms of government when they lost the modesty and domestic virtue of their women. That is astounding. If that statement is true, and I believe it is, as I watch the women all around us in high places, I realize that our country is in great trouble. So dear sisters, I hope you understand that there is not only a great need for the older women to teach, mentor, and disciple younger women, but more importantly, there is a clear scriptural teaching that that is exactly what we are supposed to be doing. We have a big task, as well as a tremendous privilege to impact the next generation through the young women the Lord has sovereignly placed in our lives. So does this instruction mean that every older woman who walks into the church building should immediately begin teaching the younger women? Are age and experience the only prerequisites required? Not according to the scriptures. Our culture, and even much of the modern-day church, places so much emphasis on beauty, charismatic personalities, and dynamic speaking ability. But that's not what the Lord says we're to be striving for as women, as older women. Paul didn't tell Titus to look for women with extraordinary teaching gifts or flawless past. He placed the emphasis on what kind of example they set, their character, and the integrity of their lives was what was important. I want to challenge you young ladies again to be considering these areas, asking the Lord to help you to grow in these areas because as I've said, there are younger women who are observing your life. More than likely you will grow into an older woman someday and if that happens and your desire is to be a godly example, then you must be working toward that now. You will not live your life and then magically wake up one day and be a godly older woman. You will become in the future what you are becoming now. So let's take a look at the characteristics that the older women are to exhibit before they are to train the younger women. First, they are to develop the same qualities that the older men are told to demonstrate. 
After giving us the character traits the older men are to display, verse 3 uses the word likewise when referring to the older women. Likewise, in the same way, the older women are to be sober, reverent, temperate, and sound in faith, love, and patience. Now, the older men and women are to be sober. This means that they're to be vigilant and watchful over their conduct and their conversation. They're to be sober-minded, not frivolous concerning the things of God. It's fine to have fun. I love to joke around. I love to have a good time and have fun. But we need to remember as older women that we are careful in setting a right example before younger Christians. In 1 Corinthians 4.16, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, I urge you then, be imitators of me. And then again in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he wrote, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. We might say that discipleship is this idea. You follow me as I follow Christ. And therefore, it's extremely important that we are attentive and thoughtful in regard to our conduct. The next two qualities mentioned, reverence and temperance, are repeated in the specific list for the women. So we'll talk more about those next time. Paul also writes that the older men are to be sound in faith. This means that they're to be sincere, steadfast, and consistently adhering to the gospel. So in order for that to happen, men and women both must diligently study the word of God. Theology is not just for men. We must know our Bibles if we're going to train younger women coming behind us. We certainly don't need older men or older women who are not doctrinally sound or who do not have a solid, consistent walk with God themselves training the young men and women in our churches. Next, he records that they're to be sound in love. This is speaking of love for God as well as love for people. I believe the New Testament teaches over and over again that this is the premier birthmark of someone who has been genuinely born again. You cannot effectively train or disciple other believers if you don't love them. It's a huge part of discipleship because not only are we to love those we disciple, but we're to be teaching them to love their husbands, to love their children, to love their brothers and sisters in Christ, to love their enemies, and above all else, to love the Lord their God. Well, the last imperative to the older men is to be sound in patience. You know, as people age, they often become cranky irritable and impatient. And so as we age as women, we need to be careful that we are seeking the Lord's help in these areas. We have to be patient with those we're teaching, just like we wanted those who taught us in our youth to be patient with us. Too often we expect someone who has only been a Christian for a year or two to have the same discernment, the same convictions as someone who has walked with the Lord for decades. Patience will go a long way in your discipleship efforts. Matthew Henry said these three graces, faith, love, and patience, are the three main Christian graces. And so that being the case, the older men and women should certainly be mature in these areas. 
Dear sisters, we have been given a high calling, and I sincerely hope that all of you older or more mature women will be challenged to fulfill this lofty calling and wonderful privilege. I want to encourage you to invest your time, efforts, and resources into things that will count for eternity. To be able to pass on to someone else the wisdom that God has given you, the things that he has taught you through trials, temptations, and failures, and the truths that you've gleaned from the scriptures is a valuable and lasting gift to the young women that God has placed in your life. I also hope that you younger women will seek the Lord as well as godly older women to help you as you pursue to grow in these areas. So as we leave this session, please take the time to evaluate your own personal walk with God. Ask yourself these questions. Am I serious about the things of God? Am I sound in faith? Am I diligent in studying as well as applying the scriptures to my own life? Can others see that I really love God through the love that I express to the people around me? Am I patient with my spouse, my children, my grandchildren, and others who may not meet my expectations? Lord willing, next time I'll be sharing on the specific qualifications the Apostle Paul laid out for the older women. Until then, I pray the Lord would be pleased to bless you, keep you, and glorify himself through you as you grow in these graces.